Jesus, we come before you this morning, and I ask you, Lord God, that I may do great honor and justice to your word. Use me as a vessel of honor. May I decrease, Lord Jesus, so that you will increase, be increased this morning. It's in your mighty name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. These are the verses we're going to cover, and the title, uh, many of you on your way in had gotten sermon notes. Um, I don't know if we have any left. Um, two? Okay, not many left. Uh, but uh, usually on the way in, we got sermon notes, uh, fill in the blank, follow along with us. Title of my message today is The Value of True Friendship. And this is what we're gonna see. Uh, David has sent people for, that are in support of him uh, back into the kingdom, uh, really just to kind of corrupt Absalom and what they're trying to do and then send words back to David to let them know what's going on. This is where we're at. And I want to start in verse 2, which was just read. I will come upon him while he is weary and exhausted and terrify him, so that all the people who are with him will flee. Then I will strike down the king alone. So what this, this is Absalom, the son of David. This is, this is David's son. Absalom saying, I'm going to, uh, or no, sorry, this is Ahithophel speaking to Absalom. Ahithophel saying, I'll strike down the king alone. And Ahithophel's word, basically, as we, uh, in, last, in chapter 16, we heard, it's basically like the word of the Lord. Like, they, they teared it almost like hearing from God himself. So his counsel is like the, the best of the best counsel that we can get. So this is his counsel of how to, of how to deal with, how to handle uh, David and what, what is going on in this scenario. And it's a good reminder. It says, then I will strike him down the king alone. And he recognizes he's weary, he's exhausted, and, the, and he's tired. So what happens, what I see in this is that the enemy attacks us when we are tired. The goal, ultimately, when we're tired is to get us isolated. I spoke last week about how we don't need to be isolated, how we need to fight the isolation. We're made for connection, but we drift toward isolation. We need to fight that drift. In this same scenario, the enemy, he, he just, he, that's what he does. He attacks us when we're tired, before we have our feet planted, before we're comfortable, because he wants to take advantage of the moment. He wants to get us isolated. And the best way, to, I think, and, and to fight against that is that we must have order in our life. And order in your life is the weapon against the one trying to devour. We know the word of God says the enemy comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. The, uh, prowls around like a roaring lion, waiting for someone to devour. We must have order in our life. This is the way, if we're just go, go, go with no order, no rhyme or reason to anything, and we're just all over the place, scatterbrained, uh, I'm guilty of it, I promise you, um, but I have to remind myself of basically this. This message isn't just for y'all here today, it's for me. When I was writing it, I was like, man, I'm speaking, I'm preaching myself right now. And uh, it, it's, it's, we have to have order in our life because that's the best way. If we're scattered, then, then our mind's everywhere else except for one focused place. And then the enemy can just swoop in and get us isolated in that way. But what Ahithophel, his strategy, it's a surgical strike against the king. It's a surgical strike. He's saying, I'm gonna come in and I'm just going to take down the king. I'm not gonna take down anybody else. I'm gonna take down the king. I'm bring everybody, uh, all the people. I'm gonna bring them all back with me and we follow up, or we carry on into verse three where it says, and I will bring back all the people to you. The return of everyone depends on the man you seek. Then all the people will be at peace. So Hithophel's saying, I'm gonna bring them all back, and then once David's gone, they'll be at peace because, we, well, here's the king. Uh, but what's cool here is that we notice Ahithophel, he says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna strike down 
just the king. And we see that in these verses. And it's Ahithophel, probably without realizing it, he still sees David as king because he said the king instead of David, even though Absalom claims to be king in this moment. Um, but what we hear, what we see is that the, the enemy claimed that he was just after Jesus, but he meant to enslave us. So he's saying, Ahithophel, he's saying, I'm just gonna take the king. I'll bring everybody else back. And just like Satan, he claimed he was just after Jesus, but he tried to enslave us. And what I'm pulling out of this is that the enemy will whisper lies to tell you something's okay, that it only affects you, but it doesn't. It affects those closest to you, those you love the most. So whatever, whatever sin it is, whatever bondage it is, whatever you're a, a slave to, you may think it only affects you and your life. You're wrong. You're wrong. It affects all those around you because you are, oftentimes you are hurting yourself and the people who care about you the most don't want you to hurt yourself. As well as then your attitude will change. The way you interact with people will change. All of it gets affected. All of it gets impacted. And it's just the scheme of the enemy. He tries to tell you something's okay. It's only gonna affect you. Don't worry about it. He's wrong. And I'll call out. He's the father of lies and we have to call it out. We continue on in verse five. Then Absalom said, now call Hushai the archite also and let us hear what he has to say. So David had told Hushai, hey, don't come with me as we flee, go back. And his prayer was to make Ahithophel's counsel foolish, that Hushai would speak against Ahithophel's counsel. And so this is the opportunity that's coming up here. Absalom calls on Hushai, he says, let us hear what he has to say. We heard your counsel, what your strategy is, Ahithophel. Let's hear from Hushai. And Hushai, he takes it, we walk through, and he, he follows through his mission. His mission that was given to him by his king. David still is the king, even though Absalom's sitting there trying to act like a king. David is still the king. And from this, we see that God's wisdom is in opposition to the enemy's lies. Always. There's a spelling error. I got the D. I know everybody's probably like, What? No, I admit it. I forgot the D. Uh, it's all right. Anyways, God's wisdom is in opposition to the enemy's lies. Hushai is in this case, he is the counsel of the Lord. He's the Holy Spirit Christ, or he's a Holy Spirit type, and he's, he's good counsel. And it's in opposition, complete opposition to Hithophel in a way. So we can take away from this that, hey, God's wisdom is always gonna be in opposition to the enemy's lies. So if we're instant or if we're battling with something, obviously the enemy is gonna, whatever it is the Lord wants to do is gonna be complete opposite. And you just have to be okay with it and recognize God, I know God is gonna take care of me, right? He's never gonna fail. We have to trust in him, right? We trust in him and his wisdom and we follow through that wisdom and he's gonna take care of us. We continue on in verse eight. Moreover, Hushai said, you know your father and his men, that they are mighty men and they are fierce, like a bear robbed of her cubs in the field. I don't know if anybody knows well, Nature Channel or anything. You see a mama bear, uh, somebody messing with a cub, mama bear's not happy, that person probably dies. Uh, and in, in life, it's like the same thing. Mom, like moms, mama bears, they are very protective of their children. Uh, they will go, they'll go to, they'll go to battle. They will scratch and claw. If anybody tries to mess with their children, well, better, you're gonna have to deal with the mom. All right, that's just a matter of the fact. That's just what it is. And 
uh, and your father is an expert in warfare and he will not spend the night with the people. What's happening here is he is reminding, uh, Hushai is reminding them how strong and mighty David once was, okay? Because Hushai saw David. He saw he was old, he was getting frail, he was tired, he was weary, but Hushai is reminding them of who David once was, how strong and mighty he once was, but he doesn't say he, he was this. He's saying he is. You remember, do you remember the mighty men that are on his side, the valiant men? Do you remember them? And he's just reminding them to kind of instill fear in them a little bit to kind of check himself. Oh, maybe this shouldn't be the, the case. But we can pull away from this because what we can do is when we are weak, we act strong. You don't have to always be strong. I'm gonna just say it as it is. You don't always have to be strong. Now, there is great strength that comes from the joy of the Lord by, through his spirit, yes, but you don't always have to act or you don't always have to be strong, but sometimes it just takes, being, it just takes to act strong. There, there are times where we're in weakness and we just have to put on a face, but, I, but that's not me contradicting what I said last week to get real with somebody. I'm just saying, when you're in the face of the enemy, you act strong. You act strong. And you, 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 he, you see, the demonic, they don't hear our thoughts or anything like that. But what we say, they can read our body language, all of that. We act strong. We may put on a face. We may feel weak in a moment, but we put on that face and we just begin to pray boldly. We begin to pray bold prayers with enthusiasm, with great energy. And we just put on this confidence, even if it's just for a moment. That's all you need for the enemy to flee. You just, you just say the name of Jesus. You declare the name of Jesus over it. When you, are, when you are weak, just act strong. Ultimately, what he's doing is instilling fear, and fear is contagious among the camp of the enemy. It, it is contagious, because they go on and say, well, hey, what if, you know, Hushai questions Ahithophel's counsel, and he says, uh, paraphrasing here along the lines, he says, even if you have one attack that happens and it's gonna get back to them, you're gonna lose that attack and then all of your people that are on your side, Absalom, will then be scared because that one defeat that took place, now it's gonna instill fear in the camp of the enemy. And we continue on in verse 10. And even the one who is valiant, whose heart is like the heart of a lion, will completely lose heart. For all Israel knows that your father is a mighty man and those who are with him are valiant men. Ultimately, Hushai promises the loss of confidence among the kingdom. Just like I was saying, you lose one small battle here, you go to do a surgical strike just on the king, then if any of your men lose this battle, just going in to try to take out the king, the word's gonna get back, and people are gonna lose confidence in you as this so-called king. And we continue on in verse 11. But I counsel that all Israel be surely gathered to you, from Dan even to Beersheba, as the sand that is by the sea in abundance and that you personally go into battle. So the difference between the two councils, Ahithophel says, I'll go, I'll go, surgical strike against the king. Hushai says, Absalom, you should do it. You should be the one, but also that you take all of Israel, all of Israel to go. Basically, hey, the strategy here is in numbers. We're gonna take numbers, we're gonna take all of Israel into battle and then you're just gonna, you're just gonna suppress them with all the people. You're gonna lose some people, but if you take all of Israel, I mean, you got a mighty, mighty big army that you, you can afford to lose some people, but then you take out the whole, the whole uh, the, in, their, in their eyes, the enemy. You take out the enemy, their troops, and the king itself, 
one fell swoop, no longer. No exists, he doesn't exist any longer, all right? And then he doesn't have to deal with anything. What he's saying, in my imagination, what, what Hushai is saying, if you wanna be the champion, you have to beat the champion. Because David is, like, he's the, David was the one that, that slayed Goliath, right? Like, he was the man. He was the man when it came. He was a strong, bold warrior for the kingdom. And he's at this point, he's getting older and he's weary, but you, you still have to take him out. You, you have to beat the champion. So you yourself have to be the one to go into battle and take out your own father. We continue on in verse 13. If he withdraws into a city, then all Israel shall bring ropes to that city and we will drag it into the valley until not even a small stone is found there. See, ropes, this, this is a common warfare strategy. The ropes and the grappling hooks, they put, a, put hooks of some sort on it whip it over the wall, and they'd literally, by numbers, they'd pull down those walls, and it'd be a strategy in war to, to literally invade cities or invade walls, whatever it is, uh, invade uh, forts or, or anything like that. And what they're saying isn't necessarily far off. Hey, we're gonna take ropes, and we're gonna drag it into the valley. We'll take, we'll take care of not just David, but we'll also take care of the city that is holding him uh, there as a refuge. We're gonna we're just wipe everybody out that's helping him. Verse 14, then Absalom and all the men of Israel said, the counsel of Hushai, the archite, is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. So this is, it's an answered prayer. David said, David's prayer was, uh, Lord, may Hushai's counsel uh, supersede Ahithophel. Make Ahithophel's look foolish. So it is better than the counsel of Ahithophel. For the Lord had ordained to thwart the good counsel of Ahithophel so that the Lord might bring calamity on Absalom. David's prayer was mightier than Ahithophel's intelligence. His prayer was mightier than Ahithophel's intelligence. It doesn't matter who you're up against. It doesn't matter how smart, how big, how strong they are. When we get on our hands and knees and when we're on our knees in prayer, anything can do. Anything can happen. Nothing is impossible for God. And prayer moves the hand of God. Prayer moves the hand of God. You want to see healing in your life? Pray about it. You want to see you want to see loved ones, family members come back to Christ or come to Christ for the first time? Pray about it. Be on your knees. Be desperate for God in prayer. We've, like I said, we've been coming through 21 days of prayer, and there are multiple times, many people, I can speak specifically for here for this campus, is that people on their knees, kneeling at the altars, begging, pleading for, for, uh, for God to move in mighty, mighty ways. And we pray bold prayers here. We pray big, big prayers, scary prayers, dangerous prayers. We pray it because we know that prayer moves the hand of God. Ultimately, the power or the appeal to power causes the prideful king to stumble. Hushai tempts him with power. And Absalom, being as prideful as he is, he, he's, he's gonna step into this, say, hey, you know what? That's the right move. That's what we should do. And it's also delaying the attack against David and his camp. It's giving him time to get situated, to get set up. And we see in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before stumbling. As Absalom steps in to this pride, destruction will come. He will stumble because of his pride. And that could be an answer for us. If, we're, if we have pride, if anybody in here has pride in their life, anybody has haughty spirit, whatever it is, whatever you're prideful of, you need to let that go. Because if you don't let it go, 
And, and if you don't submit and surrender and, and humble yourself before the Lord, destruction will come. Maybe not in a way that's exactly like this. It'll be its own way. There's a uh, commentary that I was reading that kind of, I thought, put this all into really a, a great picture for us. It says, this is one of the great principles of life in which every page of the Bible emphasizes and illustrates. Man cannot escape God. They go their own way, but that way never sets them free from the authority and the invincible power of God. You can't escape God. And that's not a way of saying he wants to control you and be like a little puppet master. That's not, that's not it at all. It's just he's the God of the universe. He created it all. He created you. Does he not deserve our love? Does he not deserve our submission? Does he not deserve that from us? He wants a relationship with you. It's not about laws. It's not about rules. It's not about anything like that. It's all about a relationship with you. But he gives us free will in that sense. That he doesn't force his hand. He allows us to make our own decisions. Ultimately, as I said earlier, Hushai is a Holy Spirit type. He is good, good counsel. I, I see him in this as the Holy Spirit in our life. He's the one that's always gonna be on our side, protecting us. He's a great friend to David. As he is doing what David has sent him out to do, he's there to protect David, stand for David, advocate for David, even though David can't be there. Holy Spirit gives the good counsel to us in our lives. We just have to open up our ears. See, David, learned, uh, David leans on his friends to overcome Absalom. He recognizes he just doesn't have what it takes to take down Absalom, take down his own son. And maybe he doesn't exactly want to. It is his son after all, but we see that he has to rely on his friends multiple friends. We're gonna, we heard about them in chapter 16. Maybe that's you today, that you're going through something in your life and you need to be able to rely on people in your life, but you don't necessarily have a community. And maybe you just don't have a, a biblical community to lean on. See, today is Life Group Sunday. We had Life Group Preview last week. Today, as the tables, as you guys walking in, you saw the tables, you saw the balloons. This is your opportunity to find a biblical community in your life. People you can lean on, grow with, and get real with. And watch the Lord move. Watch the Lord work on behalf. I believe for our Life Groups this season, there's gonna be great growth in the church. There's gonna be great growth in the church, not just for Pendleton, it's gonna grow here. We've doubled in size over the last year and I believe we will double again. I believe that because we are a church of life groups, not a church with life groups. My prayer is that everybody's involved in a life group in one season or another and eventually leading life groups. But the cool part about life groups, it doesn't have to be just people within the church. If you have somebody who won't come to church on Sunday or just can't because of work, get them plugged in in your life group. Invite them. It's a great opportunity to get them connected. Get them around people without the pressure of, of church, of what that looks like. And maybe the question comes to us 
that you're scared, maybe there's a little fear of getting involved in a group and get real with somebody. Do you struggle with the counsel of your friends? It's a real question to ask. Do you allow freedom in your relationships for somebody to call you on your crap? The accountability that, that a, a, a true biblical friend has, that's our responsibility in biblical relationships, biblical friendships is the accountability towards one another. Do you have that? Are you okay to receive the challenges of others when they see something in your life and they say, hey, I've noticed this, is everything okay? Hey, I've noticed this about you. Are you struggling with anything? Is there pride going on? Are you, are you dealing with lust? What's, what sin is holding you back right now? Do you take that and do you receive it? Or do you just kind of shut down? And you're like, get defensive and, and push back and say, no, I don't need you. And then you push away and then you just fall into the trap of the enemy of being isolated as it is. When I say get real with somebody, we also have to allow ourselves to receive just as much as we wanna give. Ultimately, in our lives, we'll always find ourselves, we tend to group with like-minded people. We tend to group with like-minded people. And like-minded, they're no better place than a church. No better place than a church. Not a single one of us are perfect. We all come in here with our own mess. We're all broken. Tim Tebow says this. He says, the church isn't a museum of perfect people, but it's a hospital for sick. Something along there, something like that. I don't know exactly, I'm paraphrasing. But it's a reminder for us that none of us are perfect. Not a single person that'll stand up on stage is perfect. But we must get involved with people that are like-minded, that'll push us, challenge us, make us grow. Friendship and accountability are two marks of a well-ordered life. I talked earlier about how, having, having order in our life. Those are two marks of it, friendship and accountability. And not just any friendship. I would, I would go to stretch, it has to be biblical friendship and accountability. You need that in your life to have order, to protect yourself against the one who devours. Oh, true friends, they do not abandon you in your hour of need. Now, is that, that, that could also get taken and turned and, and say, and you could look at it and say, oh, this friend abandoned me, but how much are you going to this one person over and over and over again, over the same thing over and over and over again, but nothing's changing in your life? You're probably not listening to the counsel of your friend. Something needs to change. You have to be able to receive that counsel, receive what the Lord wants to do in that relationship. But yes, true friends, they're not gonna abandon you in your time of need. They're gonna challenge you. They're gonna sit with you. There'll be grace in that. But it's all from a place of love. We need not just any friends, but we need healthy friends. And healthy friends make you stronger, more secure, more disciplined, and push you towards growth, ultimately out of your comfort zone which I say the word out of your comfort zone and some of you kind of flinch, like, I don't know if I want that anymore. But that's where God wants to do the work. If we stay in our same spot, if we stay comfortable, we're not challenging ourselves, we're not pushing ourselves. Nothing's being refined because we're just, 
We like it where we're at. But if we want to be a church that evangelizes, that shares the gospel everywhere we go, that grows immensely by the power of the Holy Spirit, we have to allow him to move in our life. And the way that is, is he will, he will push us out of our comfort zone. But it's not about embarrassing us. There's no shame in it. He gets all the glory. And we need these healthy friends. We need friends who will hold us accountable. We need friends who will grow with us in our faith. People who will celebrate with us. Celebrate the good, the bad, the ugly. Sit with us in our ugly. Love us in our ugly. Sit with us in our praise. Love with us. Love us in our praise. Whatever it is. This is the place. You're here today. You need to be in a life group. You need to be in a life group. If you, if you, come, to, if you come to Life Church and you never join a life group, that's your choice and you have the will, the free will to do it. But my heart is that if that happens and if you choose that life, you will just become right here, you'll plateau. You'll become stale. There's no fresh wind happening because of changes in your life, people pushing you. Also, church isn't just for Sunday. It's for every day throughout the week. And that's when our life groups happen. That's when we meet. It gets us out of the rhythm of just coming to church, getting our fix, and then going throughout a week and forgetting about it until Saturday night. That's my challenge to you. And it may be a big challenge for, that I ask of some of you, but I don't think it's an unfair challenge. I think it's very doable. I, at the beginning of the year, I asked, who's in, all in? I, I, I said, give it, be all in. Be all in for one year. And if at the end of the year, you came to me and you said, it didn't work, I said that I would leave and I would help you find another church and I'd go there because we're doing something wrong. I'm, I meant that. But that's how confident I am that if you go all in with Jesus, if you go all in, you do everything that we have set up for you to help you grow in your faith, that things will change. Your life will change. There will be greater joy. That's not to say you're never gonna battle anything in life. It's not to say you're, you're never going to, uh, you're never gonna have trials or tribulations. You will, but there's a lot greater peace in those tribulations. Because even though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we'll fear no evil. For God is with me. For God is with us, even in the valley. Even in the valley. I'm gonna invite our prayer team up here this morning. Oftentimes the culture has been, if you need something, come forward, let us pray with you. But that's not what I'm asking today. If that's you, if you want, some, if you want us to pray over you, then we're gonna do that. If you have something specific, then we're gonna, we're gonna pray over you. But I also wanna change, I wanna shift our culture a little bit. And it's on me for making it this way, of hey, only come if you have something going on. I'm gonna change our culture. Of, if you just wanna receive blessings, if you wanna receive what God has for you, if you wanna come forward, let us pray a, a blessing, a mighty blessing over you, then do that as well. It's not just to come and to, to, to share all the 
issues we got going on in life, you don't have to have an issue to come forward to the altar. You can come forward if you just wanna celebrate and you wanna praise with us. And we're gonna sit here and we're gonna praise with you. And we're gonna pray mighty blessings over you as well. If you want that for, you, for your life, you want that for your family, you want that for your home, then come forward this morning. Come forward this morning.